You're listening to Touch the Line Podcast. Focused on leadership, culture, and building a team. Here's your host, Evan Silver. Thanks so much for listening to Touch the Line Podcast today. We have my beautiful wife, Erin. Say hello. Hello, guys. So uh, we are upstairs just recording a podcast, and we're just going to make this very conversational and talk about... I'm going to ask my wife some questions, and then we'll, we're just going to discuss them. And so I have a list of questions, and Aaron, we're going to jump right in. Okay. Because everyone's attention span is, is it gets short, and I feel like every year, so we don't want to waste people's time. I'm just going to jump right in. What is the biggest leadership challenge you have faced recently? So this one is very obvious, but... COVID over the last year has been probably the biggest thing that we've led through. And most recently is we are just navigating uh, through, I guess, now that vaccines are widely available and masks and how to lead our team and how to lead, um, I guess, our guests through that. Everybody has an opinion and it's just trying to navigate what is best for our company. Everybody has opinions, but nobody has answers. That's true. How do you feel our team has responded to, because we, right now, our staff um, are required to wear masks, and then our guest is recommended, but it's not required. So we went, what, almost a full year of requiring masks? Over a year. Over a year. So how do you feel like our team has handled that? Because I hear people getting getting pushback, and uh, just tell our listeners kind of our story and how our team reacted. So when COVID happened, we just, we were very much in communication with our team. We kept them in the loop as much as possible. Um, usually uh, communication is what breaks down uh, the team culture. So we have essentially throughout the course of this 15 months-ish, has it been? No. Oh my goodness, 12 months of being back. Uh, we've just kept everyone in the loop and we have tried to communicate as often and as clearly as possible. We've told our team the why behind masks. We've told our guests the why. And we've made, uh, I guess, the the changes. We've been able to pivot pretty quickly uh, with what whatever the CDC recommends and that sort of thing. Our team, I think because they know the why, they really trust our leadership regarding the mask. So I would definitely say that is um, kind of our our team culture right now. Yeah, and we have sat around the house talking about, oh, should we do this? Should we do that? And we just stopped because we have a lead team, and we're like, let's run this by the lead team. So that makes things, if you're listening to this right now and uh, you are leading a company or leading something, Something in some capacity, get a team around you. I could not imagine us going through this alone. Honestly, I couldn't imagine if we were where we were five years ago where I was working another career and you were navigating this by yourself. Mm-hmm. That would that would have been a lot. Well, and you say it best. You say you can make a mistake or I can make a mistake or we can make a mistake together but usually when you get a team around you, your I guess your chances of making a mistake are far less than they would be if you're making the decision on your own. Exactly. And we do that with our with with our whole team, with our lead team and with our whole 
salon team, we were just approached with um, something that would radically change our company. And we told them, hey, thanks for letting us know, but this is a team decision. We're going to make this as a team. And so it, it radically changes the culture. And I think companies respect that too when they hear that, you know, we lead as a team from the top to bottom. If you could go back five years, first off, give our listeners what Silver Salon and Aaron Silver looked like five years ago. So it would have been 2016. Um, We were a staff of, what, seven or eight. You were at the church working full-time. Uh, we, I think I was still working behind the chair five days a week, right? I believe so. I think so. Um, so we were handling that, and then we had implemented this whole system that, you know, radically changed our business and all of that. And so we were just kind of moving and shaking, essentially. But as we were growing, it came with more challenges, which required more of my time. And I was getting stretched and stretched and stretched. Um, so, yeah, that was we didn't really have any processes in place. We didn't have any. Um, we were kind of reactive and not proactive. So <laughs> I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate as far as your listeners. But um, usually when you're stretched and pulled in multiple different directions, you you can't fathom being proactive. You're just reacting to situations over and over again, no matter what they are. So that was probably where I was five years ago. Um, and when you're a leader in that position, you're not able to grow your team or your salon or your business or whatever like you would like to because you're in this constant state of reactiveness. Yes. And I remember uh, a friend of ours, Rich Heemstra, he said, make sure that you are working on your business more than you are working in your business. And I think there's times that you have to work in your business. Mm -hmm. But I think that was really great to work on your business. You really have much margin. The margin you did have was your quote unquote days off, which is kind of comical. Well, I couldn't fathom stepping away from being behind the chair. I mean, I know your listeners are all diverse and that sort of thing, but I couldn't imagine stepping away from what I had spent my entire career doing and somehow making money working on the business. And that whole mindset shift was really, really difficult for me to kind of wrap my head around. If you could go back five years ago and talk to yourself, what would you tell yourself? I would give away more responsibility. I would uh, delegate. I guess that's the same thing. But I just— I would just give it away. I think, I don't know who said this, but they talked about, I guess it's the whole 80-20 rule. But when you delegate and you hand something off to someone else, as long as they could hit the mark 80% of the time or do the job 80% of the way, that should be golden. you know. And hopefully when after a lot of repetition, they get that to 85, 90, and maybe even better than how you do how you do it. I believe John Maxwell said that. If not, he should get credit for it anyway, because I'm sure it's something he would say. I just listened to a, a podcast. The Craig Rochelle podcast. Craig, Craig Rochelle. 
and they talked about 80%, because if someone can do it 80% as good as you, what that does is it the you have more margin to go do other things. So it actually makes you a better leader because you can tackle more. But a lot of people are like, well, I'll do it myself because I know I can get it done right. Well, what he said, what I took away from that podcast was he said, you should take and train someone 30 times the amount of time that it takes you. So say it's a five-minute task that you do every day. You should... Multiply that five minutes by 30, so that's 150 minutes. So you spend 150 minutes training someone to do that same task, and after that 150 minutes, you've gained five minutes back per day. So it's like your investment on time. That was a game changer. I mean, in our industry, we train on blow drying because we know that um, whenever you can train someone on blow drying, that gives you're the stylist or the main stylist, I guess, more margin to take on another color or whatever, which increases your income for the day. So so what are the things that you gave away that you delegated five years ago? What are some of those things? Well, what have I not given away? <laughs> um, inventory, Brenna, she does all of our inventory and our ordering and quarterly things that I used to do. Jordan does um, all of our education and does, they both do stellar jobs. Abby, she is over all the celebrations as far as birthdays and all of that. I don't know. This is like my biggest fear is whenever um, I would hate to forget someone's birthday. I would hate it. It just, I, that would keep me up at night. And so now Abby's taken over that celebratory role, and so she'll decorate the station. She's got it in her calendar, and we don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, and then we also gave away weddings, but that really wasn't my role. That was your role. Yeah, and I was terrible at it because I'm, <laughs> I'm not, you know, we've done on the podcast Enneagrams. I'm a great uh, visionary. I'm a great innovator of, like, Ooh, let's do this. I'm not a great person to follow through. And I know that. But there are people who are built to be like, hey, you do all the dreaming and innovative stuff. Just tell me what I need to do and we'll get it done. So find those people. If you're if you're like a, a dreamer, an innovator, innovative person, find the person on your team that, you know, their strength is taking it to the finish line. And I feel like that's what Emily is in our company. Oh, she's, 100%. She's doing the wedding stuff, and she's doing a phenomenal job, way better than me. And that's not really saying much because I was pretty bad. I was dropping well, emails and everything else. Well, I kind of feel like that with even inventory, ordering, education, celebratory stuff. I mean, I guess looking back on it, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I've got this. But then hindsight's always 2020. I'm like, oh, they do it way better than me, you know? Um, another thing that was kind of a big deal after COVID was I gave up all the bookkeeping. That, I mean, that was a game changer. Game changer. I mean, I gained probably three, four hours a week back. I remember hearing this years ago that whatever you hate to do, there's most likely someone in your company that loves to do it. Oh, that's good. And there's things that I hate to do. And then I find out somebody loves to do that. I'm like, you love to do that? Why? But then again, there's things that I love to do that people 
would hate to do. And I'm like, really? Because that fills me up. So I love walking around the salon and high-fiving people. Honestly, don't mind calling an upset guest. You know, that's a chance to um, make someone's experience above and beyond where a lot of companies would push it to the side and be like, well, I'm scared to have that conversation. But honestly, look forward to it um, for the most part. I was going to say, that is definitely... Your side of the street, for sure. And here's a here's the thing: when you're talking to an upset guest or someone that just didn't have an exceptional experience, it's people just want to feel valued. They want to feel heard, and that's kind of how I navigate that conversation. Aaron, what's the biggest thing you've learned about building a team since you started the salon in 2012? That is, we could probably talk about that for hours, really. Building a team, it's all in the culture and how you treat people and building trust with them. I mean, you can look at any successful company and they trust their leadership immensely. And so I think that is probably the key thing. You just actually posted something about that. What it, what was it? Your Instagram post. It was, do they? Does your leader care for you? Do they trust you? And do you care for me? Can you help me? And can I trust you? Yeah, and it. You know, it's. I think empowering people, and you can only empower people when they trust you. So I think it's kind of those kind of that combination of things that will really help to build your culture and your and your team. What about yeah. you? What do you think? The the biggest thing I guess we've I've learned, we've learned about building a team, kind of we've already talked about it. It's just getting people around the table. Like when it comes to hiring, when it comes to things like that, that's not a you or me decision. Again, that's a team decision. We have multiple, multiple people in the hiring process. When it comes to building a team, it's, it's, it's caring for people through really, really tough times where, you know, I feel like a lot of companies would just move on. They would just say, you know, this is just too much. But this is not a great fit or whatever. And at the end of the day, it could just be someone is, re- is an all-star, but they're just going through a really, really tough season um, I, I think one thing that we say a lot is before those kind of tough situations of leading through tough things is do we see a better version of that person on the other side of the conversation? And usually the answer is yes. I would say 99.9% of the time it is yes. And so that is, I think, what keeps us moving forward through through yeah. all of that. Yeah, when it comes to those conversations, when you're building a team, because you got to care for people, is if they're if whatever your core values are, if they're willing to pursue those core values, then we're we're all in. Yeah. Um, so if you don't have core values, I say this all the time when I mention core values: get core values in your company. What do you believe? Because this is going to help grow your company because now your staff and the your potential staff, the people who are going to be interviewing for you with you, they're going to know what the what's the bullseye in your company. How can they leave at the end of the day 
and no. I think another thing when you talk about building a team, it's there's a book called Halftime, and I think I mentioned on the podcast before. Um, I'll just be completely transparent. I haven't read it, but I know the gist of it. Um, I actually have the book and plan to read it. But how you halfway through your life, they this guy, he talks about the first part of his life was all about him and his success and focused on me, me, me. And then when he get, got about 40, which is ding, ding, I'm knocking the door of 40, um, he, it switched and it was about leaving a legacy and growing others. If you want to build a team, you have to grow others. It cannot be about you. So if you look at your Instagram, if you look at your website, if you look at your company and it's all about you and you're having a tough time wondering why you cannot build a team, there you go. It's all about you. So make that's it so about true. make it about others and that people want to be a part of a team. They really do. Even the ones that say they want to work by themselves deep down inside, I feel like they really want to be a part of the team. They just can't find the right team. So you got to make sure you have the right players on the right team, just like with sports. There's great, there's great sports team. I'm not going to go into sports because I know a lot of my listeners don't <laughs> uh, watch sports. But, you know, the Los Angeles Clippers last year, everybody had them winning the NBA Finals because they were a – they had phenomenal talent, but they didn't play together as a team, and they didn't make it far in the playoffs. So I think I think as a leader, too, as you're leading your team, you got to provide structure and, and all of that. And then going back to the core values and, like, your why as a company, you've got to be willing to commit to those. So it's like you might have an all-star player and they're doing awesome. You might have two, three, four all-star players, but then you've got this other player over here who is, you know, not aligning themselves with your team culture. And you keep having to have conversation after conversation You know, so it's like you kind of have to commit yourself for the sake of your all-star players to to help fight for those core values and to maintain that standard um, and that structure within your within your team, so that everyone can continue moving forward in the right direction. Yeah, we're gonna wrap this up, but I want you to tell how tell the listeners how when you have a lot going on on your plate and you just kind of need to focus we didn't even talk about this before we started the podcast but i've noticed we have a google hub in our bathroom which you know it's a it's a screen and you can tell it to play tv or whatever but i'm noticing lately you have inspirational videos talks on there kind of talk like why you started listening to those so we have we've owned our business for 10 years we now have two children. Our business is way bigger than we ever thought that it was going to be. And it's just, I'm, I'm still behind the chair two and a half days a week. So I've got a lot on my plate. And when you're a leader of a company, and, you know, I mean, I'm a leader in my home. And, and of course, you're leading me and our family and that sort of thing. You don't have anyone mentoring you or leading you or, you know, it's kind of up to you. So I realized that I needed to start investing in myself um, mentally and, I guess, leadership-wise. I needed to start investing in myself and start encouraging myself and inspiring myself. 
So on YouTube, there's all kinds of channels out there that are motivational, inspirational, all of that. So that's kind of why I started listening to those. And I try and do one one per day. I'll listen to it in the morning or on my way to work or in the short three-minute drive from our daycare <laughs> to yeah. work. But um, but yeah, that's really why I started doing that was just to kind of level up myself and motivate myself to be a better version. I love it. So here's some rapid-fire questions. Oh, gosh. Um, we did not talk about these before. All right. What was the first concert you attended? Oh, um, you probably don't know who this is. Jackie Velasquez or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Years Jackie. ago. I know. Wow. All those years ago. I did not know that. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, <laughs> what was your first job? Uh, well, oh, this is a fun story. So true to, I guess, us starting a business, I went and I got licensed or certified as a babysitter with Red Cross and I made business cards and went around my neighborhood with my business cards to drum up some business. And so I was babysitting probably three or four people in the neighborhood when I was like 13 or 14. There you go. Babysitting. What's your most used emoji? Uh, I would say the one where um, it's your, it's kind of like you're not, it's not the laughing emoji, but it's the one, I don't know how to really explain it. Is it the one with the tears? No, it's not that one. It's the one where the eyes are like, you know, squinting, little squinting and it's laughing. Yeah, the one with the tears, evidently you're like. Yeah, I'm not old. <laughs> I'm not old. All right, last question. If you could change your name, what would you change it to? Mm, I don't know. Um, my parents almost named me Ariel. Ariel? Yeah. Oh, gracious. I need to start asking you more of these questions. I don't I know. know these. I know. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for being on the podcast. You're the first guest to make it to three episodes. So oh congrats. Gosh. Thank you. You're I so special. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for listening to Touch the Line Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel wherever you're listening. 